All right, take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 13, please. Romans chapter 13. And I want to direct your attention this morning to verse 11. Romans chapter 13, and we'll begin in verse 11 and read down through the end of this chapter. Romans 13, verse 11, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us today with your word, and, and Lord, we do need it. We need your spirit to uh, enlighten us, to give us understanding, Lord, to uh, take the truth of God's word and make application in our heart. And I pray, Lord, that, that our heart and mind would be uh, tuned to that. Lord, teach me today. Lord, use your word in my life, and Lord, may we have a heart to engage, that the word of God may work effectually in us that believe. And Lord, we pray that you be pleased from it, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, apathy and lethargy are problems that often afflict people of God. Um, sometimes it's physical as we get older. We can get apathetic, we have be a little lethargic in things. Uh, that happens to us physically, but it should not happen to us spiritually. But all too often, it does. There, there are many Christians who simply just go through the motions in the Christian life. And there are times when we can have, uh, you know, what someone might call a crisis of faith. Uh, there are times in our life when we can... Uh, when we can question some things and we can have the wrong mindset and the wrong attitude and we go about our duty and we simply go through the motions of the Christian life. And there are lots of churches that exist today, but with very little zeal and very little progress. Uh, it can be personal. It can be corporate. Uh, there's just this problem of apathy and lethargy uh, when it comes to the things of God so often. The Apostle Paul, writing here in this, te in this text, in this passage, says, Knowing the time, it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. I want you to do something for me, uh, just in this, this brief moment, and I want you to think with me, and I want you to think back on this last week. It's a new week today. A brand new week is starting. But think about the week that you just had. And I want you to think about this. If you can recall the things that you did this last week, you can recall maybe not everything, but some things. Uh, things that were important to you uh, in the days that you lived, how you spent your time and things like that. And I want you to think in this regard. How much of what you did this last week was motivated by your conscious awareness that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming very soon. Did you think of it at all this week? In this last week? 
How much of what we did was motivated by a conscious awareness that the Lord is coming? And I think if you're sitting here in this moment and you're like me in any way, you'd probably have to admit that not a lot of what I did was on purpose with a conscious awareness that Christ could come today or this week. I think we, and I say we because I'm including me in this, and maybe I should just say I, but, but it's, it, it's human nature, I think. But I think we get so often caught up with the daily pressures and with the deadlines that we forget the big picture. And the big picture is that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming and I should be living each day in light of that event. It's true. To think that way is hard. To think that way or to be geared in our minds uh, is difficult and, and something that we uh, need to be challenged in often and regularly. And Paul says here that now it's time, it's high time to awake out of sleep that lethargic state. And why? Because our salvation is nearer than when we believed. Paul exhorted the Romans back in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, to live in the present light of God's past mercies. I beseech you, brethren, on the basis of the mercy of God in your life. And how should you, and what am I beseeching you to do to present your body a living sacrifice? That my life is to be used up for the Lord. That's a frequent theme in the New Testament. Paul felt the need to exhort the brethren in Rome uh, to not only uh, present your body as a living sacrifice, but here he felt the need to exhort them to awake out of sleep. Notice some words here. He says it's high time to awake out of sleep. The word awake there has the idea of, of being revived. It has the idea of being alert, but to awake from, from a carelessness and from an indifference towards spiritual things. The idea is to shake off some slothfulness, uh, some indifference uh, toward eternal things. And, 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 and the question is, and what we need to be asking ourselves this morning is, have I become lethargic and indifferent to spiritual things? Why isn't it the things of God excite us anymore? And, and I'm not saying that, that this is generally true, but, but, <coughs> but it, can, it can so easily happen. You know, people get saved and God is working in their life. And you see the baptistry waters stirred and there's, there's life that's happening. And Christian people are just like, oh, that's nice. But why not? Amen. God did something in this person's life. God used me to make a difference in a person's life. It doesn't excite us anymore that souls are saved, that people are being baptized, added to the church, and maybe that's not true inwardly of you, but it could be. Have we become lethargic and indifferent to eternal things? If so, Paul says it's time to wake up. And with Paul's exhortation here, I want to consider some reasons why it's time to wake up. First of all, look with me here in verse 11 and 12. 
He says it's high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. First of all, and notice in the first part of verse 11, he says, knowing the time. So let's consider some reasons why it's time to wake up. He says, first of all, knowing the time. What is he talking about when he says knowing the time? The phrase simply means knowing the nature of the time. We're talking about the season that we're in. And the whole verse has to do with the return of the Lord Jesus Christ for his people. And the idea here is that the believer is to keep his eyes on the changing world around him and understanding that the coming of the Lord is near. That's the idea, knowing the time. Sadly, many believers, we just lazily cruise on through life, making our plans, setting up our retirements, our next adventures, and so on, not even considering the fact that Jesus might return any moment. I was challenged with something. I, t- I shared it with our Sunday school class earlier this morning, but I was challenged with something earlier in this week, and the thought and the challenge was that, you know, the, the, the days that I live and the life that I live Again, it's not about me, it's not for me, it's to serve the Lord, correct? We'd all say that that is true, that that's our purpose, right? And we know this, we know this to be true from the Bible. But we don't live that way so often in our thinking. And, and regularly, people cross our paths. And sometimes people come into your life from, from who knows where. You haven't known them for, from forever, and all of a sudden your path crosses, and their path crosses, and it's not a coincidence. It's always divine appointment. Always. Because God has something in mind. He wants to use your life to make an impact and a difference in someone else's life. But if we're not thinking straight, if we're not clear in our purpose, we completely miss over the fact that God has something He wants to do in someone else's life and He wants to use me to do it. The impact I could be making on somebody, it's not just because... Hey, you're a nice person, I'm a nice person. We get a, no, there's an eternal impact that God wants to make through your life and mine. And we have to be ready. We need to be ready for when those moments and opportunities come. But if we're not thinking straight, and if my life is just, I'm lazily cruising through life and making my plans And for my next event and so on, I'm not even considering the fact that the Lord is coming and the Lord could come today and there's a person right there that God wants to use me to make a difference in. He says, knowing the time, knowing the season. We can look around and we all would say, oh, it seems like the Lord's coming soon. We heard that said a lot lately, haven't we? Really seems like the Lord's coming soon. It's true. I, I think it's true. But what are we doing about it? What is, how is that motivating us? Then he says it's high time. Notice that there. Knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. It means a specific time. It means that the hour has arrived. That's what that means. That the hour has arrived. It's a language of urgency that he's using here. What do we know about time? Well, first of all, we know that time is fleeting. 
Don't we? Look in James chapter 4. Just keep your place here. James chapter 4. In verse 14, the Bible says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that we ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boasting. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Verse 14, he says, what's your life? It's a vapor. It's like that little steam that appears for a little time and then it's gone. And you don't get it back. That's what time is. Time is fleeting. Let me just pause right here and just say something for, for one second. It's not really part of the message, but I, I, I believe I should say it and I need to. There's some of you in here who are not saved. Some of you young people. You don't have a full life ahead of you to look forward to. You don't. Just this last week, a young man, 17 years old, went out into eternity. Same age as some of you. Or you might be about that age. He didn't expect... I don't believe that he was going to die that day. He had a full life ahead of him, or so he thought. But he's out in eternity right now. He's not coming back. And what I want to remind you of is that life is short, time is fleeting. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior... You might be a young person. You don't have a guarantee of tomorrow. You don't. Now's the time to wake up. He says it's high time. It's a specific time. It's a language of urgency. What does the Bible say about our life that time is fleeting? Look in Job chapter 9. Job chapter 9. And consider Job's words in Job chapter 9 and verse 25. Now my days are swifter than a post. They flee away. They see no good. They are passed away as the swift ships, as the eagles that hasteth to the prey. That's what Job said his life was. It's fleeting. And the older you get, the more you realize how true that is. How fast time goes by. And before you know it, you're at the end of your life. Job 14 and verse 1, Job says, Man that is born of woman is of a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. Listen, time is fleeting. For the saved person, for those of you that know Jesus Christ, now's the time to obey the Lord. God has given you days. He's given you life. That life is to be used for His glory That life is to be used for His honor. That life is to be used to lay up treasure in heaven. That that should be and ought to be the focus of our life. Eternal things. We only have a short time that God has given us to invest into eternity. 
The point is, get serious about how we live our days. Amen? Too many of the people of God are sleeping on the job, if you will. Living life as they please without any thought for the will of God or the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is, how, does, how do we define sleep? Sleep is, sleep is defined as a state of inactivity with a loss of consciousness and a decrease in responsiveness to what's happening. In other words, the sleeping person is out of touch with what is going on while he's asleep. You know what? We doze off during events that uh, maybe we should stay awake for, like Sunday afternoon services, for example. (laughs) It's okay to doze off at a ball game or things like that, but there's no excuse for us to fall asleep to the things of God. For the saved person, now's the time to be busy serving the Lord. For the unsaved person, now's the time for you to wake up about your soul's condition. Uh, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says, Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. And I'm saying to you this morning, if you're not saved, you better get serious about your eternity that you're going to stand before God and sooner than you think. And you're standing condemned already. Young person, listen to me. Today, God is speaking to your heart. Today, God is trying to draw you. Pay attention, guys. Stop laughing. This is for you. Pray for your soul. Did you understand? You cannot mess around with your eternity. Notice, go back to our text, please. And notice here he says in verse 11 that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. And then he says, for our salvation is nearer than when we believed. What is he talking about here when he says our salvation is nearer than when we believed? I think it's a great thought, amen, because he's talking about our, the final realization of what we have in Jesus Christ. What, what have we been saved from? We've been saved from our sin, amen? We've been rescued from the wrath of God, amen? We haven't seen the final revelation of that. We haven't seen the fullness of what God has saved us from and what He saved us into. And he says our salvation is nearer than when we believed. He's talking about the, 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 the coming of the Lord and the catching away of the saints of God to take us out of this sinful world. The final realization of what our salvation is in Christ. Our salvation is nearer, he says, than when we believed. In what way? 
Well, every, every day, every second, every tick of the clock brings us closer to the moment that that trumpet is going to sound and the Lord is going to come for His own. Think of how much time has gone by since you believed. Some of you have been saved for 50 years. Who's been saved 50 years or longer? One. How many? About 40 years. Anybody? There's two, three, four, five. How about 30 years? There's one, there's two. I'm right at, almost right at 30 myself. How much time has passed since we believed? The only time we have to do something that will last in eternity is right now. This moment, right now. Hard to think that way, isn't it? Because tomorrow's coming, Lord willing. <laughs> and we've got our plans, don't we? We've got some big things on the horizon that we're looking forward to. And our whole life is gauged around that. It's hard to think that way. May the Lord help us. Because the only time we have something to do or something that will last for eternity is right now. Note the wording. He says in verse 12, the night is far spent. The night is far spent. It's a, it's a double analogy here. The night refers to the moral darkness of this world. You can read about that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Turn over there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Look at verse 5. He says, Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. And let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. The night is referring to the moral darkness of the world. He says the night is far spent. It literally means this. It means it's cut off or that it's becoming short or that it's hastening to a close. In other words, the, the day of moral darkness is coming to a close, that God is going to step in, that God is going to have His way, that God is going to judge this world for, our, for its sin, that God is, God is ultimately going to have the Last say, the day is coming. The night is far spent. It's hastening to a close. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Turn back a couple of chapters or a couple of books to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 31. And they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. Paul says that the fashion of this world, and the word fashion means substance here, the substance of this world is passing away or going to pass away. In other words, this world and time as we know it is not going to last long. Time is winding down. The systems of this world are going to perish. The night is far spent. 
And the application is Paul is telling us that the time to sleep is past. The time to awake is right now. Now is the time to be active and busy in the work of the Lord. And his words remind us that there's an urgency to the things of God. There needs to be an urgency in our own life as well. Why? Because every day people are dying without the Lord. Every day. There's a tremendous need for believers, not just here, but believers everywhere, to wake up from our slumber, to recognize the seriousness of the, and the lateness of the hour, and to get busy serving the Lord with all that we have. There's a reason why you're where you're at. And it's God's will for you to tell your neighbors and your co-workers about Jesus Christ. The time is now. If you're going to tell your family about Jesus Christ, the time is now. If you're going to work for the Lord, the time is now. And we need to recognize the lateness of the hour and may it motivate us, amen, to dedicate ourselves to being all that God wants us to be in these days. He says the day is at hand. He says back in our text there, in verse 12, that the night is far spent. The day is at hand. The day, what day is he talking about? Well, the day of eternal blessedness. The day of our salvation. It's about to dawn. The Lord is coming. The Lord is nearer today than He was yesterday. Amen? And the question is, the question is, and ask yourself this question and be honest, am I living my life in anticipation of the soon event? How is it motivating me? Well, Paul gives us some insight here. He says, Notice in verse 13, he says, let us, let us. So he says, the night is far spent, the day is at hand, let us therefore. Because this is true, because these things are real, because this is true, let us do what? Let us cast off the works of darkness, let us put on the armor of light, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but putting on the Lord Jesus Christ and making not provision for the flesh. So Paul says, in light of this truth, that it's time to wake up, that we need to recognize the lateness of the hour, that the night is far spent, that the, the day is at hand and our salvation is nearer than when we believed. It ought to motivate us to live a certain way. That's what he's saying here. How should we walk then? How should we live? Well, notice here how he says in verse 13, let us walk honestly. Let us walk honestly. The word means to behave properly. It means to live with decency and integrity. In other words, what he's saying is that we're to live an outward life that is consistent with who we are on the inside. Let's walk honestly. To live and behave properly. Let's live 
consistently with what we are on the inside as children of God. You know, there are people who just can't seem to get it together in the Christian life. They say they're believers, they say they're Christians, but they just can't seem to get it together. They can't seem to stay clean. They can't seem to be consistent. But yet they say they're saved. Maybe, maybe it's just that these people have never been saved to begin with. So I'm saved, but I just can't get my life together. I just can't, I just can't, I just can't get it on track. I just can't keep things together. Listen, friend, with the new birth and with salvation, with real conversion, listen, everything changes in our life. And with the new birth comes the desire to live in a way that is pleasing to God. Amen. Life changes. Say, so, well, I've had somebody ask me this. I did. I just had somebody ask me this question about life, change, life changes. And what if you don't really know what, you're, what you need to change? And I told the person, listen, it's not really up to you to have a list and to know what needs to be changed. The Spirit of God does that in you through the Word of God. As God's Word is preached, as you read it, and the Spirit of God brings conviction in your life, He begins to want to change things about you. It's called the sanctification process. But you know what goes along with that? A desire to be obedient and follow. An unsaved person doesn't have that. Well, what if you don't have all these sins in your life? What if you don't have, like, what if you grew up in a Christian home? And you don't, I don't drink and I don't smoke and I don't swear and I don't do the, I don't watch bad movies. I don't have all, what is, what's about to change in my life? You know what I've noticed? That really makes a difference or is a real tell of a change? is people's attitudes, especially young people. You know, the parents tell them what to do and do this or that, and on the inside they're just like... But on the outside, they've got a smile on their face because, you know, we gotta, I'm going to be in trouble if I don't. But inside, oh, they don't want to submit. But when they really get saved, you know what you really notice? A change in attitude. Like maybe correction comes into their life. Maybe correction for, for wrongdoing comes into life. Instead of, instead of chafing on the inside in pride, there's some humility there that wasn't there before, and it's noticeable. Because 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things and attitudes and responses are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's real conversion in real change. And when the Spirit of God be begins to bring conviction in the life, listen, with that new birth also comes a desire to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. He says to cast off the works of darkness. In order to cast off the works of darkness, what, he, what is he talking about? He's talking about the flesh. He's talking about the old man and his deeds. What do those things look like? Well, look at verse 13 again. He says, Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. He's talking about revelry and drunkenness and lewdness and all those things. You're like, well, I don't have any of that. Those things may not be in my life. Okay, but what about strife? And what about envy? 
Those are all works of the flesh too, aren't they? He says, let us cast off the works of the flesh. You know what strife is? The word refers to a mindset that seeks its own way more than a regard for others. It speaks of those who are constantly bickering, engaging in competitive antagonism, who like petty disagreements or like to cause them. It's, it's, it's talking about somebody who is self-willed. And that self-will leads to these areas of strife. Paul says, let us walk honestly, not in rioting and drunkenness and chambering and wantonness. Don't walk in strife. Those are the works of darkness, the works of the flesh. You know what envy is? It refers to a spirit of jealousy. It's, it comes from an attitude of me, me, me. I'm jealous of that person's position. I'm jealous of the accolades they get. I'm jealous of the recognition they get. I'm jealous of how people like them. That's envy. I want it for me. I want those accolades. I want the recognition. I want to be looked at in the same way. It's an attitude of the heart that seeks everything self wants without concern for the real impact on your own life and on others. It's really part of the works of the flesh that we looked at in Galatians 5 in our study through Galatians. Look at Colossians chapter 3 quickly. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. The Bible says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Paul says here, you shouldn't look like the old flesh, the anger and the wrath and the malice and the filthy communication out of your mouth, the lying. Why? Because you've put off the old man with his deeds. But rather we need to put on the new man, which looks like what? Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what we ought to look like. And so in our text, Paul says in verse 14, he says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh. Putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, what is that? That's developing in Christ-like character. We just read that in 1 Corinthians, or, or excuse me, Colossians chapter 3. Being renewed in our mind. 
A new man in righteousness and holiness, which looks like the Lord, growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 5. 2 Peter 1 and verse 5. And beside all this, give, or beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. When he talks about knowledge of Jesus Christ, he's not talking about head knowledge. He's not talking about facts. Those are factual things, but he's talking about experiential knowledge, that these things, I know this to be true because I'm experiencing it in my life, that more and more I'm being shaped and formed into what Jesus Christ looks like. Virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness. Look at chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. We're to grow in this experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, that my life looks more and more like Him because of the Spirit of God. And then he says, lastly, make not provision for the flesh. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh. That's something that we must do. <clears throat> if we want to live spiritually, that is something we must do. Don't make provisions for our flesh. It's also something that we can do. People say, like, it's so hard. Yeah, it is hard. But you know what? With the aid of the Holy Spirit of God, Galatians 5.16, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. With the aid of God's providence and God's power, with the aid of watching in prayer, we can be victorious. And we're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. It's something we must do. It's something we can do. God has enabled us. But the question is, how serious are we about it in this regard? Let me ask you a question as we close. Are you sleeping? Are you indifferent to matters of the Spirit, careless about the things eternal, salvations, baptisms, the work of God? It doesn't really excite me. It's ho-hum, lethargic, in our service to the Lord, going about the motions, apathetic, even about our spiritual well-being. If that's true, it's time to wake up. The time to change and the time to grow is soon going to be gone. Our salvation is nearer than when we be believe the day of eternity is going to arrive very quickly. And the question is, are you ready? Is your soul right with God? Number one. Number two, if you're saved, are you looking for Him? Let us be children of the day. Amen.
not the night. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Talk properly, honestly. Make not provision for the flesh. We do those things and we can look forward with great anticipation to the return of the Lord. It's going to come in a moment. How are we living? Are we asleep? Or are we awake? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd challenge us today and with these principles and these thoughts and these truths. And Lord, may we be serious about the days that you've given to us. Lord, may they be filled with thoughts of the return of the Lord and what my purpose for living is. Lord, thank you for granting us time and life to invest into eternity. And Lord, may we live with eternity in view. And Father, I pray that you, as you've spoken to hearts, there would be a tender and a soft response. And maybe there's those here this morning that you're drawing to yourself for salvation. Lord, may they respond to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.